and welcome to Voices of the Sacred Feminine, whether you're across town or across the globe. I'm your host, Karen Tate, and uh, that little snippet you were listening to there was called Weave and Spin by the Reclaiming Cap campfire chants and uh, they have some great chants about activism and uh, uh, that's actually one of my new favorite songs that uh, I've been using here on Voices of the Sacred Feminine. I want to thank you for tuning in tonight uh, and uh, every week if you're a regular. I know uh, life is really busy and challenging and I appreciate uh, your listener loyalty because I know your call from uh, all across the globe uh, in all sorts of little nooks and crannies, uh, big cities, little cities um, across the pond. Uh, So thank you. Thank you very much for um, uh, tuning in each week and especially for those of you who take the time to uh, actually send me emails with show ideas uh, or comment on uh, your favorite shows. I really enjoy receiving that from you. And tonight um, uh, I have a special guest for you, uh, as usual, and uh, tonight uh, her name is Lavana Bdolik, and uh, our topic is uh, Owning Your Female Power. And so that should be a fun conversation tonight, and I think uh, a much-needed conversation as well. Uh, Also, we'll have some other uh, interesting things uh, to share with you after uh, the interview with uh, Lavana. Uh, I want to talk to you about uh, happiness uh, because, you know, happiness is an accomplishment, or so they say. And uh, also, I wonder if you've heard the nine touchstones of goddess spirituality by Carol Christ. And uh, some other interesting things, I believe, um, especially in light of uh, the political climate out there. Uh, I have some steps for you uh, to take action if um, you're one of those folks that want to do something, but you're not exactly sure what. I went to a pagan conference uh, a couple weeks ago, and one of the speakers talked about that and uh, gave us a handout of some things that we can actually do uh, that will uh, make a difference, and I'd like to share that with you uh, because I think it uh, would be helpful. You know, no point in reinventing the wheel here. Um, You know, there are things that uh, are already in motion and we can put our energy into and uh, help move those along. Uh, But let me tell you a little bit about uh, tonight's guest, uh, Lavana, and uh, uh, I'll give you a brief description of the show. Uh, Lavana Shelbdolik, uh, she's a professional clairvoyant, healer, teacher of transformational skills, spiritual counselor, author, motivational speaker, energy jeweler, and one of the founders of, the, of ClearSight, which was created back in 1980. Uh, she prevent, uh, presents powerful online empowerment programs and also travels nationally and internationally, demonstrating how to shift your consciousness in an easy, practical manner. She taught uh, two weeks a month for 24 years in Japan, teaching thousands how to release restrictions and energy that prevents you from attaining your highest goals and attaining a higher level of bliss and joy in your daily life. 
She's led healing seminars here in the States and uh, in France and England, Thailand, Japan, uh, Hong Kong, and she's the author of many self-help books uh, that you can find here in the U.S. and also in Japan. Uh, ClearSight, um, which she founded, presents Evolving, which is the newest American meditation, uh, and We Will Succeed, the Women's Empowerment Program, and offers many online seminars and a wide variety of transformational subjects. And you can find out more about that uh, by going to uh, her website, which is ClearSight Aura. Dot com clearsightaura.com that's c l e a r s i g h t a u r a dot com so um Lovina, uh welcome to the show oh thank you for inviting me uh, well, you and I go back a ways. Uh, we uh, met some time ago when Roy and I were on one of our uh, pilgrimages, uh, and uh, you were very kind and generous to, and when we were in Japan, uh, invite us, uh, uh, and, and you took us around and showed us to uh, a number of uh, sacred goddess sites over. Uh, the course of a few days, and uh, you know, I've never forgotten that uh, kindness and generosity. And uh, you know, I, I just want to thank you for that. Uh, you know, it's one of those things uh, that sort of stands out as, um, you know, just an incredible gift you gave us. And um, you know, we, uh, you know, we we were new friends at that point. You know, you didn't even know us that well, but still. Um, you know, you, you put yourself out and, uh, you know, just want to extend sincere gratitude, uh, even all of these years later, you know, it's, uh, it's never been forgotten. I really enjoyed it. And it really was honoring the Japanese way, which is, which is a very loving and inviting way to share. Well, that's exactly what it felt like. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, and it was a lot of fun, you know, going to those uh, those goddess temples and, you know, learning about the different traditions uh, of, uh, you know, the people who were devotees of, of canon or, um, you know, the Amaterasu or, uh, you know, Kuan Yin even. And uh, it, it was just uh, it was just an awful lot of fun. So, you know, thank you for you know adding hello uh are you, yeah i'm here can you hear me yes lavina can you oh okay yeah um it it, it was a, kind of a strange sound opening up the show there uh i anyway i hope this the glitches in the sound work themselves out um uh, so anyway um let's but let's go ahead and get to our topic tonight uh owning uh owning your female power um so you know why don't you tell me a little bit about how this um women's empowerment program that you teach um how did that come in, come into being well i taught our clairvoyant program which was um 13 month program and we had many, many women students over the years. And at one point, we had this great reunion of everyone. And the women came up to me, and they kept saying, thank you so much for liberating us. And I started to realize that there were certain lectures we covered 
that really showed everyone how to get rid of the programming that we get from childhood, how to recognize what would hold them back, how to get rid of the things that just really ruin your self-esteem or your image of yourself. And I truly believe now that it's women who will change the world. It's, it's coming to the forefront. We're finally getting to that place where we understand our inner power and how to get that out there in the world. But I feel that women are still restricted. We're restricted by what we don't believe in, in within ourselves. We've yeah. bought into things that have been programmed into us. And so we have the skills to, to get rid of that. And so I've been working on that, and it's been so fascinating because I started being a feminist in in 1968, and it was really exciting then. And we had many, many evenings of meetings and talking about all this stuff. And I remember learning all of this, but I didn't really understand the import of it because now they've done all these studies, and it starts to really show us who we truly are because women and men are very different and that yeah. difference and I'm not going to say one is better than the other but that difference if you understand it empowers you well and and you can't forget either and I mean you've alluded to it you know we women have sort of been conditioned to take a back seat and uh and some women are more comfortable in the back seat and some women chafe at being stuck in the back seat. Uh, I mean, I know growing up in the South, um, you know, a a lot of my friends who still live there, uh, well, I mean, you know, I don't even recognize them anymore, and they don't recognize me anymore, (laughs) you know, because uh, we're we're on sort of different ends of the spectrum now. Uh, But, uh, um, you know, but I think women are starting to flex their muscles a bit, and, uh, well, not a bit, but a lot, Um, even though some... (laughs) Uh, you know, even though some might feel more comfortable, you know, not doing that. And, and you know, and while I think they should have the right to do that if it's their choice, but as long as it's their choice and not because they're oppressed or suppressed or uh, some for some reason um, feel in, you know, that they have to do it socially, culturally, or they're intimidated into uh, being marginalized or, you know, or to take a back seat. But that's why I started teaching these skills, because I feel it's important to empower women to find out who they truly are. And if who they truly are is sitting at home, it doesn't mean that they are not powerful. And it doesn't mean they mm-hmm. don't have a say. But if they discover who they truly are, they kick out all the rules and regulations people have fostered on them, all the programming, all the myths, and then they find themselves. Right. And it, well, it, and you know, it. Yes. No, go ahead. Go. No, go ahead. No, no, it's okay. 
Well, I, I was just about to say, you know, I mean, we've had that indoctrination for so long, and I was thinking about the Garden of Eden myth. You know, Merlin Stone called it one of the first pieces of political propaganda, and I like to say that as much as, uh, you know, as, as much as possible, uh, and, you know, as a segue for things, because uh, it, it does feel so true. It resonates with me, uh, because you think about the, you know, the conditioning that comes from that myth and, and, and still comes from that myth thousands of years later now, you know. And, uh, and, and we shouldn't um, allow ourselves to be shackled by, you know, these, uh, these ideas that maybe have been uh, thrust upon us, uh, you know, in, in our patriarchal society. Right, but if we come at it from a very gentle, soft level where we teach women to trust themselves, okay, then they start to see what isn't true. And once they start to see that, it's like a little crack in the egg. It all breaks down, and they start to understand their true power inside, and they just cast off all the stuff they've been taught. Yeah. Well, I wonder if in, in all of these classes, Levina, you you maybe uh, encountered something I, I want to describe to you. You know, I teach capes for the Queen of Heaven sometimes, and and it uh, and this uh, what I'm about to tell you, you know, made such an impression on me that you know I, I share it often because I'm sure women can resonate with this. Um, you know, it's it's a curriculum that was put together by the Universalist uh, Unitarian Universalist women, and it's sort it's a you can either take five, uh, you know, five classes or 13 classes, but it basically starts teaching you about, you know, from the beginning, 30,000 years ago, goddess was worshipped, and it moves forward in time to, you know, uh, what's happening in, you know, under Abrahamic religions. And, uh, you know, I, I had a student during a break actually come over to me in tears and say, I love this class. I know everything you're telling me is true. She said, but I have to leave. She said, because um, it, it, to, to hear any more of this, uh, to try to embrace it, would mean I would have to change my entire life, you know, uh, my family, my friends, my husband, because none of them will tolerate this type of information. It just doesn't fit in the world view that the people I know live in. And I felt for her, you know, I really felt for her. And I guess what it's that's sort of a, a long rambling way of getting to this question. Did you did you run into women that in uh, in in this personal empowerment, it sort of just totally upset the apple cart. You know, it uh, uh, you know it 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 just put put them in a place where um, you know it, it was it was going to change all phases of their lives potentially. Well, when I teach, I although I used to do a lot of classes on on the history of the goddess like that. I don't do that so much anymore because when I show people our skills to get in touch with themselves, and although you know all of that, and if you've read all of that and you've ingested it, it is very powerful. However, I don't feel that that has to necessarily stop you from interrelating with everyone else. I think mm -hmm. it can empower you because what you have to do is get rid of all of the 
programming of how you should act and what you should say and what you should be without any rhetoric, okay, without any labels. When I first started the feminist movement, we labeled everything, and it caused a lot of anger. We put out a lot of anger, and I think at that time it was necessary, okay? But I don't go around burning my bras anymore. I don't need no, but the... I don't... Yeah. Yeah, but I, I but but I maybe maybe I I I uh, I, I didn't convey uh, adequately what I was trying to say. This this you know this girl wasn't um, it didn't really take it like that. It wasn't that any of this was a- about anger. You know, she just meant that uh, for her to empower herself. Um, you know, she was in a she was in a family. She was in a marriage where women don't empower themselves. You know, women right. stay second class citizens, and uh, it was going to be a struggle if you know she she had to go along and get along, and 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 her empowerment was not going to fit into the worldview of her family, her status in the family, what what they saw her role as, or her or with her husband, you know. Uh, but there are, there are a, to all of a lot of there are a lot of women like that, and you have to find the courage within to slowly shift everything around you. Yeah. Well, and, and I and do think people mean... like that can sometimes find that courage and they slowly shift things rather than trying to make every major change all at once. But you yeah. do have yeah. to find the courage. And many people don't find the courage. Yeah. Well, not, it, it not every, does every take... woman is going to stand up for herself. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree, and I, and I understand that. You know, I mean, I've talked to Mormon women here on the show, Mormon feminists. If, if you know, if, if that doesn't seem like a cognitive disconnect in a way, and uh, they say it's difficult, you know, because sometimes your uh, your your culture, your religion, your social life, your business life, uh, it's all interconnected in such a way that it makes it very difficult. Uh, to break the the role models, the stereotypes, to uh, to really do things differently, um, you know, even though you might want to. But uh, but I'm curious, um, you know, and I want to get into this a little bit more. But you having spent so much time in Japan, are Japanese women much different than American women? Uh, in some ways, uh, in many ways, yes, they are different. Um, they have been socialized in a very, very strong traditional manner. They're much, um, much more sensitive, much more open, much more open-hearted. And at the same time, they don't own their power in the business world. And when I say that, we have a glass ceiling and we have women who have managed to be CEOs in Fortune 500 companies. You won't see that in Japan unless the woman is in an Italian company or an American company, not in a Japanese company, because the Japanese women are not allowed in business. The men will hmm. keep them as as secretaries at the lowest level. You can go to lunch there, and you'll see this long table with 35 women and one man. And the man is in charge, and the women all do the menial work, and they're doing the work. And he's running the show. Mm. And so women don't 
get that in business there. Only a few women have that. That You can find a 12-year-old here who can run a charity that makes millions of dollars, and in Japan you can find 40- and 50-year-old women who would not have any of those skills. I didn't understand that for a long time, and I taught my people, and then they all became healers, and they all wanted to do that as, as a way of earning a living and do that as a lifestyle, and they didn't know how to do business at all. And yeah. so they, they, they came to me and said, give me a business class. So I gave them a class doing what was the newest here, which was basically how to advertise on the Internet and how to make connections with people and how to set up your business in every which way possible. And they all sat there like they didn't understand a word. And I was dumbstruck and shocked. And finally I looked at them and I said, okay, there's obviously something wrong because you guys aren't getting it. So let me ask you, how many of you have ever, ever run any kind of business? And one person, I think there were 45 people there, one person raised a hand and it was the one man in the class. They were never, they were never allowed. Even the company I worked with, the men ran the show. And it, even, even when I got in position as a CEO there and I asked the women to do something, they would go to the president under me and ask him if it was okay. <laughs> so, um, so is the woman's domain there the house? Do they run the house? Yes. Or, or they because traditional of, women so, completely run the house, and when when the man who's making the big money in the big corporate company retires and goes home, he's miserable. And now they yeah. passed the law so that the women can get divorced and get money <laughs> because the men can't stand it when they come into the home because they have no power. <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah. only for a woman who marries and marries well. So for yeah. for some single women. That can be very difficult. Yeah. So women well, there are amazing, though. They travel all over the world. They pick something they want to study, and they study it very diligently and intensely. They're, they're, not, they're very smart. They just don't have that access there. They're starting to now. Yeah. Well, and and I wonder and and I don't mean this to, you know, distract from our conversation, but um, you know, it, it uh, cult, you know, the, the culture we live in affects how empowered we can be and uh, and and maybe some of the choices we make. And I know they've I've been hearing stuff in the news about um, you know, the culture over there in Japan is changing and uh people aren't getting married like they used to and uh you know, men can't find wives. I mean, is all of this true, or is that just kind kind of a bunch of hooey? It's true, but they like just like here, they have a heavy tradition, and then they have lighter tradition, and then they have the new younger people. <clears throat> so yes, it's changing. What I started to work on a lot with this was how to show women what to do with their children so that they could empower their female children and their male yeah. children. Because yeah. if you start to understand a lot about the differences between men and women, you start to be able to make a relationship better. And you start to be able to own your power because you're not, you're not living in fear. You're not living in confusion. You recognize when somebody does something. Because men take their power. It, it, 
I, I, they take it for granted. They're entitled. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Japanese men, I found, were very different. They were very gentle and very sensitive and very loving for a good part. They, they, but then they would turn around and never let a woman get to a certain position in business, ever. Hmm. Hmm. And, and the it, women it's, didn't it's, know how to empower themselves on that level because they were never told they could. And it's, it, it, but it's not. It doesn't really have anything to do with religious overtones, like it does in some parts of the United no. States. No, no, so it's, no. It's, it's, not really. Okay. <clears throat> so, um, so why do you think women don't trust themselves, and and how do we change that? You know, for women and for their, you know, for their girl children. So if you look at all these studies that were done, if you look at a very young baby, okay. If you have a female baby, she will look right you right at you in your eyes. If you have a male baby, he will look at whatever's moving. They did these studies where they put a mobile there, and they and the people who watched these studies didn't know which baby was female and which baby was male. Okay, they found that the female babies would look you straight in the face, and the male babies would watch the mobile move. It has to do with the fact that we have different eyes, that the receptors in our eyes are different. And so the boy's receptors tend to, their their retina is thicker, and the receptors pick up movement. So boys like movement. And the girls like to look at a face. And when they look at a face, they are getting reinforcement so that if you are warm and loving and smiling, that girl feels safe. Girls look to you. Another study they did was was watching the kids in the playground. A little girl would go up on the slide, and before she'd go down, she would look to the mother to see if it's okay. Little girls always look to the mother or someone there to see if it's okay. Boys don't. Yeah. Boys live in survival. They live in a different part of the brain, and they take great risks, and they don't look that way. So girls tend to always look for reinforcement. If you reinforce the girl at a very young age, then she believes that it's okay. Okay, that makes sense. Well, and, you know, getting back to the eye thing, um, I don't know whether this is, it sounds like it could be related to uh, what you were saying to a certain extent. Um, You know, one of the things I I, uh, studied and talked about a little bit in some of my talks and uh, was the different that women, men, and women have different eyes, like you said. But it 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 has to do with the structure as well, uh, because I think it's men have rods and women have cones, and that literally makes them see differently. Um, it, it, it men see a little bit more, um, uh, uh, you know, straightforward, where women direction are, and movement. They see direction yeah, and, and movement. And and women see peripherally, and 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 because they see peripherally, they also tend uh, it affects their decision making style. So 
um, it, would it, and, and the end result of that is, rather than sort of having a goal and going straight for it, they think about how their decision potentially is going to affect the people around them. And I think that makes sense, you know, because I think as women we do tend to do that. And while it's the compassionate thing to do, um, that can also be used against us in a sense, you know, um, because if it, 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 it you know, maybe it, uh, the decision we make isn't always the decision that's best for us. Um, you know, it's kind of... It's the um, more evolved decision. It's actually yeah. the more well, evolved decision. Um, but it's true that that the way that um, women look at things is we, we say that in clairvoyant class we say men look directly. Everything is mm-hmm. a straight line, direct head, and, mm-hmm. and and that's how they want to make a fast decision. Mm-hmm. And women look circular. I used to talk about it as the the, the circle versus the square. Men mm-hmm. look at things. Women look circular. That's why men can't follow you in a discussion because women go around and come back. They see the whole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when women look circular, it's true that they do look for the better thing of better part of everyone, mm-hmm. which is a better group dynamic, actually. Right, and it has better outcomes for the most people. But in business, it's very difficult because women don't compete on that level that men compete mm-hmm. on. But that's because of the difference, not just in the eyes, but in the brain. Because at, in the beginning, everybody who's born is is sort of down in the amygdala, which is the deep part of the brain, which is the very primal, primal early kind of survival level part of the brain. Mm-hmm. That's really a survival level. And... Women get to the front part, to the prefrontal cortex, and by the age of 17, women use the front part, which is understanding and rationalizing and intellectualizing and verbalizing, and men never leave the amygdala. They're always in that survival level, which is why men cannot discuss emotional things very well. Hmm. And and that makes them... Makes them tend to be more the aggressor, in a yes, way. Yes, because they're in survival. Business is yeah. survival. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and they never use below. If you look at their auras, they never use below their heart. They use the, only to the very top of the heart. Men hmm. come in business; they're using the the top part of the aura. They don't use the heart. They're not looking at what's compassionate or what's good for people. Yeah, and that's where women get in trouble because they're usually looking at all of that. Yeah, well, and you know, I'm thinking too about you know the in this idea of why women uh, don't trust themselves. You know, I, I you know this is maybe peripheral to that, but uh, I think there's also and you know we, but I think women don't trust each other either. And, you know, and maybe that's a different subject, but I think it all kind of plays into if women are going to be successful or not. Um, Because if we uh, don't trust each other, then I think, you know, and we tend to compete with each other rather than support one another, um, I think that has an overall 
negative effect on um, women's empowerment as well. You know, um, uh, I and, find and I if you woman... take men out of the equation and you take them out of the room, that you can get women to work together and trust one another. Okay. Well, so why do you think um, the men in the room? It's a learned uh, behavior. Women women tend to do form gangs of so- social gangs and do try to shame one another, but it's a bad learned behavior. It can be unlearned. Yeah. Yeah. But the real competition was was always competing to get the man. And if you take yeah. that away, because I've seen huge groups of women get get along quite well and be powerful. Mhm. Okay. Um, well, I do think so that's possible. I just think it's a learned behavior. Unfortunately, in the internet, it's a very bad learned behavior now. This criticalness. Yeah. Which it yeah. comes from poor self-esteem, where you don't like something about yourself, so you're going to criticize someone else. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, so if you if you um, ramp up self-worth, people don't do that as much. Yeah, well, that makes sense. You know, it makes sense because you're secure in yourself, so you don't have to make yourself feel better going around tearing down somebody else. You know. Uh, who you know who maybe may or may not uh, have succeeded at something uh, that you know annoys you or something to that effect. You know because you're busy doing your own thing. You don't have to resort to that kind of behavior. But we also have to really learn to honor one another so that you celebrate when you see a woman successful rather than attack, you celebrate. Because she is successful mm-hmm. means all of us can be more successful because the doorways open. Right. I'm old right. enough well, to remember. I, I had a friend who wanted to be in TV and she wanted to be behind the camera. And she got the job, and the men harassed her so much. She came to me. She was one of the strongest women I know. She was in tears. She said, "I'm, I'm going to quit. I can't take it anymore. The men just constantly harass the hell out of me." And you know, and she left. I mean, that's the Trump example of how yeah. to deal with me, you know. And I, I, and now I believe now. The last time I was on TV, there were women behind the camera, and I was like gleeful. I went, wow, yeah. this is so great. Yeah, so I think we have to learn to celebrate trail. one another. And and I think this whole thing with the Internet will eventually, this harshness will start to leave because we yeah. will start to understand where our power truly lies. Yeah. Well, uh, you talk about something called the woman's dilemma. What is the woman's dilemma? Learned powerlessness, learned power, learned helplessness, I believe they call it. There was a guy called Martin Seligman who was a, a, a psychologist, and he developed this learned helplessness thing, which I really truly believe, uh, I, I like to see it in many different ways, but it is what women do. He he took some mice, okay, and he, he, he took a mouse, and he gave it all those little toys where they run through all the corridors and they play on the little wheel and they can do anything they want. And then he took another mouse and he just put it in a very tight environment where it couldn't do anything. It was never allowed to do anything. It was like it was held in a vice, basically. Then he got a big tub full of water. He put a little rope into the tub. 
he threw the mouse in who had had all the freedom, and the mouse swam across the tub and crawled up the little rope and got out. He threw the mouse in that never had any freedom, and it started to sink. And if you didn't pull it out, it was going to drown. That's learned helplessness. And that's what many women have experienced for thousands of years. And most of us in our modern lifetimes have experienced that where men do it for you. You don't do it. You're not expected to do it. No one thinks a woman could do that. It, it, it's, it's learned helplessness. It's like, it's like if even if you're the CEO of a company and you come in the room and you have a man working with you, everybody in the room will go towards the man immediately. Yeah. And learn helplessness means you have to own your power and take a deep breath and just by, in a very nice, calm way make it obvious who you are. Learned helplessness, unfortunately, people just freeze up and they... They never learned, you know, I've met women who never learned to drive a car where they need to drive the car. Yeah. Who have absolutely no power because they've been held in a helpless way. And they've learned that way. And we can unlearn that and not teach that to our daughters. Right. Well, I mean, it makes me think of, uh, you know, women my mother's age in particular. I mean, I don't know if this happens so much anymore, but, uh, you know, my mother always let my dad handle the finances. And suddenly she found herself divorced and now had to uh, balance the checkbook and do things that she didn't ever used to have to do. And, you know, and uh, sometimes that's my example. That's my example yeah. of female learned helplessness. Yeah. And it goes deeper it goes deeper into other levels. Like when I was a child, um I m- my father bought me a bicycle. And I went out on the bicycle. And I fell off the bicycle and I I scraped my chin. My father brought me in the house and and he said, "Oh, I have to fix it." And my mother looked at me and she said, "You have to get rid of the bicycle immediately." No more bicycle. And I just looked at her. I, you know, I didn't get on at once. And she looked at me and she says, and she looked at my father and she said, that's no good because for a girl, you, you can't have a, have, it, it could hurt her way she looks. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. My father yeah. managed to let me keep the bicycle, but um, it the way we see how girls are, the way we have been taught what we're allowed to do and what's important. So do you think um, having, uh, say, liberal versus uh, conservative parents makes a difference in whether um, women are empowered or not? Or it's just how they... Sometimes. Of course, I prefer liberal, but I've seen conservative uh, parents who will uh, let their their girls be athletic and who will maybe let them on a team. Mm Mm-hmm. So that once, once a girl learns that she's not so fragile, that she can get knocked around and stand up, she can get knocked around and stand up in business, too. Yeah. So, so it it depends on what their values are. So it depends so on how strongly. If they're real pioneer people, they may make their women very strong. 
Yeah. But yet, still, I would prefer liberal because liberal women have the philosophy along with it. Yeah. Whereas well, well, conservatives have a traditional philosophy. The, we, the programming that that gets the, that gets stuck in there. Um, you know, where does it come from, and how do we, you know how do we recognize that it's something that needs to be released? I mean, do you find that that's a problem sometimes that it that we maybe don't even recognize uh, the programming? Oh, often. I think mothers who want to be good mothers don't recognize that they're making their children weaker by by not thinking it's good for a girl to do something because she should be quiet and gentle and soft and sweet and all those things. And being afraid that she'll be too loud and uh, and just won't be a fit in. So yeah, I I think mothers don't recognize what they're doing, even now. And I think sometimes when mothers do recognize what they're doing, they got all this other social programming from the psychologists and all these these tests and studies that were done that weren't really true. You know, almost all tests done were done on men or boys until recently. So there's there's just a lot of misinformation. Like there's a whole group of liberal people who seem to think that you should give your girl children boy toys. But we discovered that that doesn't work. If you if you took a whole bunch of toys and you just threw them in the room and you threw the girls and boys in the room and you didn't say anything and you just said, go pick up two or three toys you want, the boys will always pick up the things that move because of their eyes. And the hmm. girls don't. They'll pick up things that have color, that have texture. That's what they discovered when they were looking at children drawing. The girls like to draw with all sorts of color, and they like to draw people facing you. And the boys, they like to take one black crayon and draw a missile coming to land on the earth. (laughs) 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 And so, yeah, there's a certain level of liberalism where we try to make the children be something we, we think that's opening them up. And basically, if you just don't define them, the same thing with with um, tests. They were testing women for math, and they discovered something very interesting. If you take the women and you make them check out a, a, a form that says that stresses that they're feminine or that they're women before they take the test, they get a lower score. When they hmm. took the Asian women. And they had them check the box that said you're Asian. Their scores went up. Hmm. Because as Asians, they believed that they could do better. Right, right. Interesting. Women tend to have those pictures that that, that whole inferred belief that because they're women, they can't do certain things. They're not as good at it. And so they're not as good at it. Yeah. Well, that movie that's out right now, what is it, Hidden Figures?, about the black women who helped the space program, uh, that sure sort of uh, flies in the face of those old stereotypes, doesn't it? I mean, not That's only was it women. Movie. 
yeah, but uh, but black women. I mean, it, that uh, that just sort of breaks all the molds. Yeah, it really, really shows that you can stand up and do something fantastic and show your ability. Yeah, against and, I mean, all and that's odds. Not, yeah, and I mean that's not to say that um, you know we might not you know there might not be things we are better at than others you know but this idea that uh, you know girls aren't good at math and science I mean that's uh, you know that's kind of just for the birds but you know I think maybe more and more people know that now and you know maybe aren't uh, aren't so surprised by it but um, you know you in your materials here you said something else that I found interesting you said in the business world male energy is mostly used from the shoulders up um, so how does that affect women, uh, women's success? I mean, connect the dots for me there. I don't really, I don't understand what that means. Well, um, I never really understood corporate business. I came from a small business, uh, family. And, uh, when I first started trying to do business, I had a boyfriend and he said to me very clearly, when we go into this meeting, don't be emotional. Don't speak from emotion. And so I watched the men, okay? There was no emotion in their voices whatsoever. They're not aligned with anything. They're just going to make money. They don't, they don't identify with feelings. They don't show feelings. Women always show feelings. So for a woman in business, she has to sort of close that level down. She has to get into what I would call neutral. Mm -hmm. Because a woman would always look at all the whole picture. And sometimes she'll make a business better by doing that. But the men don't do that. They are very over-focused. And to me, it's a very cold way. Mm Mm-hmm. Because there is no um, heart and there is no emotion, and it's all—it's all intellect. Yeah, yeah. That, so that's what you mean. It's all intellect. Um, the, I was reading an article not that long ago. Uh, there was an MIT study that uh, that came out and said that um, uh, businesses who have women and men on their boards or seeing that uh, they actually have an advantage now to having women with them because women uh, are better at reading the room. You know, they're better at um, understanding what people are thinking and what people are saying, and that actually, um, you know, helps them in business uh, because, you know, they have this, you know, ability to kind of read between the lines, so to speak. That's what they uh, used to call women's intuition. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) isn't that interesting? (laughs) So what's old is new again. We're just giving it. uh, We're just giving it. We're back to the baby uh, who who looks at the face and pays attention. And if your face says you're a beautiful baby. You have just empowered that baby. And if your face says, oh, you're so ugly and wrinkled, you've just unempowered it. Right. Whereas the boy right. doesn't care. He's busy looking at the mobile. He's busy, action, what's happening? Where am I going? Yeah, yeah. 
Well, so, all right, so we've, we've kind of explored the psychology of this. Um, so, you know, what, what are tips that, um, you know, you would give, you know, women in your workshops or classes to actually, you know, help them get on the road to um, recognizing where their shortcomings are and, you know, beginning to overcome it to be able to empower themselves? I, I teach them a system for being able to ground themselves so that they always feel secure, for being able to focus, and then for being able to uh, let go of whatever it is that stops them. Because any time that you feel that you can't move, that you can't do something, there's a fear behind it. You won't look at the fear. Everybody hides their fear. I think we sit on our fears, personally. But what I do is I give them a skill for releasing whatever it is that comes up for them. And I go through a series of what your father did, how you related to your father, what your mother did, how you related to your mother, what you got taught in religion, what you got taught in belief systems, what your teachers did, what happened to you in your first marriage, which usually goes back to what happened with your father. Um... I just go through each thing, and I show people how to recognize it and release it. And after they release it, they bring in a whole new wave of energy, so they shift. Hmm. So, and they don't have to re-experience. It's a consciousness change. But what you're talking about, it almost sounds like one-on-one. I mean, is this something that um, uh, we have this online? So. I, I record oh. all of it, and it's massive. The women's, the women's uh, uh, empowering ourselves is very massive because I go through as much as I can, and it's a, mm-hmm. and you you actually sit down in the chair, <clears throat> and you do each exercise with your eyes closed, and you release each thing, and it goes step by step. And it goes, well, some okay. women don't have an issue with, with their mother, and some women don't have an issue with their father, but everybody has an issue somewhere that holds you back. Yeah. So well, what I and, do is I show them how to let go of it, and I go through all those lectures, and sooner or later one of those lectures really triggers whatever it was that really stopped you in life. So now if if some of my listeners were interested in um, taking some of these um, uh, classes or workshops, how do they find you, Levina? They go to www.clearsightaura.com. And I don't have this, the Women's Empowering uh, online program up yet, but they just sign up for any, any of the free things on there. And uh, just get their their email there, or they can they can email me. Uh, they can go to the site and email me, or call me, and I'll tell them how to get on the list for when we get the program out, which will be out within a month. Okay. And now, um, is this something that they don't have to actually be in the city with you? This is something they can do online, so they can do it from it's a, a membership program. So once they they purchase the program, they get in and they can do it anywhere. Okay. They, okay. And they can, I would they imagine can be the anywhere call. in the world. This okay. program, um, 
this is uh, this program will probably be two hundred and thirty nine dollars. And this is how our expensive programs. Or? We have we have smaller programs that start at fifty nine dollars, but this mm-hmm. program has a tremendous amount of different lectures on how to clear all sorts of stuff. It's really intensive. Okay. So we're going to, and we're we're going to reduce it from two two eighty nine to two thirty nine because I want as many people as possible to be able to have these skills because it totally changes your life. Well, and you know, in this, and uh, with everything going on in the world, you know, the more women that, uh, the more people, you know, but especially women, uh, when you figure, you know, there's so few women uh, at the helm at, at, in uh, academia, religious institutions, politics, the boardroom, you know, we need uh, we need women's leadership out there. You know, women have to be able to get past the programming and um, lead a whole full life. Um, you know, rather than, I hate to put it this way, but, you know, rather than remain a victim of the programming. Yeah, well, we also need to really come to love ourselves so much that when we put a woman out there to represent us, we have to not be critical. We have to really be supportive. And to do that, you have to really love yourself inside to support a leader outside. And to love yourself well, inside, you have to get rid of all of the negative programming we've always gotten. And I find that this this way of doing it really releases it. Because yeah. you're in charge of, you know, you, you listen to a lecture, you're in charge of what you're going to let go of. I mean, I hope you let yeah. go of everything, because when you do that, your higher nature pulls in what really works for you. Yeah. But it's well, a, and, and, you have and, the power. Well, and I think, too, you know, I mean, and I don't think this is just for young women starting out, you know, because I'm thinking about, um, you know, we may even need this at different stages of our life. You know, I'm thinking about a few friends that I have, you know, who are in their 50s, and, you know, they're kind of on this ageism kick, you know, that uh, their life is over, you know, they're not going to be able to get hired for a job because of their age, and, I mean, and all they see is obstacles in their path, uh, you know, because they have this, um, you know, this pre-programmed idea or fear or stereotype in their head, you know, whatever you want to call it. And, um, and, and, uh, And I fully believe that if they would recognize that, um, you know, that they're blocking themselves, um, that, you know, they really could achieve so much, but they're kind of like their own worst enemy. So, you know, maybe this is even something that can help women later in life um, if, you know, they find themselves um, challenged by by things like that. I, I mean, does, since does I've that make been any back sense? In- since I've been back in America, I've actually been uh, having a lot of clients in their 50s and 60s uh, who are um, saying some of the same things that you're saying, and I direct them to our $59 Evolving Meditation Program, which has basic skills that allow you to let go of the fear and the and that 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 all that crazy programming that is about ageism, which, 
you know, I find it interesting. Men have it too, but men tend to believe they can keep working because they have that drive to keep working. Mm -hmm. And women tend to not always work at one thing all their lives, especially because women have children. So sometimes they have one career, and then they have children, then they have another career, and then the economy tanks, and now they're going to go into another career, and they get confused, and they lose focus, and they stop believing in themselves. And those problems can be solved using basic skills, Yeah, which I can show them online, and it's great. Because, you know, you think about it, you know, if if someone is stuck on uh, because of their fear of their age, um, I mean, you know, you could, uh, look, I'm not saying it's easy, you know, I'm not trying to minimize, you know, people's uh, fears, but, you know, the, the opposite of that, I mean, if you could shift the thinking from, oh, I'm too old, nobody's going to hire me, you know, my professional career is over, to, gee, look at all the experience I've uh, gleaned over the years, I could be a really valuable asset to a company. No, it's not. I mean, well, let me say two things to what you're saying, okay? First of all, I I never try to shift what people think. I teach them to shift their energy. It's really different. Because people, especially here in America, everybody is intellectual and they think all this stuff and they get stuck. If they move their energy, they get unstuck. If they think about it, they stay stuck. And a lot of the women now are not going back into the corporate world to get jobs. They're creating their own jobs now. The Internet has Mm -hmm. caused that. And I find a lot of the women who are between 45 and 75, they have so many skills. And then you sit there frozen going, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know if I can do this. I can't get a job. And I ask them, what do you have as skills? And some women say to me, oh, I have two degrees, and I have this, and I learned that, and I studied this, and I have a certificate in that. And I'm just amazed by these women and they have the ability, but they don't have the self-esteem backup belief that they can do it. Right, right. Well, and, and if and you I move your energy, to, you can do it. Yeah. Well, that's what I that, I want to go back to that. Speak a little bit about that. I mean, of course, I don't want you to give away your class, but um, talk a little bit <laughs> I about. I wish I could. About, I can't do it that fast. <laughs> well, well, when I, you I say give, when you give say us a little belief, bit of tip. Okay, the difference between beliefs and shift in energy. Yeah. Belief, a lot of people, I think some guy called me up for for counseling and he and he was very smart. And and he had worked on it and he says I recognize when I have a negative belief and I try to let it go and I I turn it into a positive. And that's what they teach you in psychology and I've sometimes taught that in classes. But the truth of the matter is, if you don't get the energy out of the negative belief, that belief is still there somewhere underneath. And when you hit a really bad time in your life, it's going to pop up. Those things always pop up the wrong time. Okay? And if you learn that a belief is a unit of energy, and we, we like to, our, we're clairvoyant, so we like to call it a picture. If you take the energy out of the picture, it's like taking the color out of the picture. If you take the energy out of the belief, then the belief no longer controls you. Hmm. So you're not really working with your mind, you're working with your spirit. And it's much quicker, it's much 
faster, easier, because beliefs are really hard to get people to leave. People have ingrained beliefs that they've had since early childhood, but if you get them to simply move the energy, it goes away. It just disappears but how do you because do that? energy fuels it. Well, that's the skill I teach. It's very simple. It really is very simple. I teach people to ground. I teach them how to focus. I teach them how to stream energy through their system so it starts to push away that the whole channel system, it, the energy goes through all the chakras and all the channels in your body, and it starts to push away anything that doesn't belong to you. But, of course, something you've held on for a few years, it's not going to push away like that, but it'll push away the normal garbage. And then I show them how to take energy out of things and transform it. Hmm. And you get the energy back, but you don't get the energy back the way it was formed. It's sort of like making popcorn. You get the energy back, and you bring it back to you, and suddenly you have a lot more energy, and you feel much livelier and happier. And you, you... Whatever it was that was stuck, slowly you chip away at it. And sometimes if you use a skill all day long, because you can use a skill all day long, after a while you start to notice that you're happy because you don't have all the negatives coming up. The beliefs underneath that said, if I'm if I'm old, I don't know how many times people tell me, well, I'm old, so therefore I should have pain in my body, and of course my knees hurt, and this hurts, and that hurts. And nobody ever thinks of taking the energy out. You can take the energy out of a hurt, and 80% of it will disappear, and sometimes 95 or 98%. And sometimes you'll figure out why you you are, are missing some particular supplement or something in your body that you need, and you'll, you'll get that, and suddenly the whole thing will disappear. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I, don't, I, I don't tell people not to go to doctors, but really if you use these techniques, you go to doctors much less. I can tell you that because you heal yourself. Yeah, I'm getting that. Well, let's uh, let's give your website again, um, uh, clearsightaura.com, clearsightaura.com. C-L-E-A-R-S-I-G-H-T. Yeah, in in Aura, A-U-R-A. So, Lavina, is there anything else you want to say about this subject uh, that maybe I haven't thought to ask you that, um, you know, just to sort of wrap it up? Well, I feel that women have many identities and that all those identities are part of us and that we have to integrate all those identities instead of trying to be your husband's identity, your boyfriend's identity, your mother's idea of who you are, your father's idea of who you should be. And I also feel that if we learn to give ourselves approval and we learn to love ourselves and get rid of the dependency we have on others and get rid of the learned helplessness, that then we are the power that are going to move the world. We are the future, the global future that's going to be the positive one. I know it looks a little dark for people right now, but you have to understand that it's going to turn. It's always a cycle, and it's going to come back to us. And when it comes back to us, we have to own our power to change the whole concept, not just take power back, but change the whole way power is used. 
And that is what women can do. So that's well, why I'm uh, doing this. Well, uh, well said, well said, and uh, I'm I'm a fan. Well, thank you so much uh, for being with us tonight, and uh, for I hope uh, I, I hope my listeners go to your website, uh, clearsightaura.com, and uh, and avail themselves of uh, the techniques uh, that you have to um, you know help them achieve their personal empowerment. Oh, check out our evolving meditation or check out our core release or our readings and healings and stuff. But mostly I like to empower people, so check out our our evolving meditation. Okay. Well, thank you, Lavina, for coming on the show tonight. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Okay. Good night. Night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, um, most definitely something we can all avail ourselves of. Uh, again, let me give you Lavina's website, uh, clearsightaura.com. And um, I, I do want to share uh, those uh, items that I mentioned with you at the top of the hour, the nine touchstones of goddess spirituality, the action steps uh, for resistance, and also uh this uh, piece that uh, I found on happiness that I wanted to share with you. But first, uh, I'd like to read you a review about Joe Carson's new book, uh, Celebrate Wildness, by Dana Corby, in her blog uh, called The Rant and Raven. Uh, And she says, uh, when people wonder aloud how the Wicca of Southern California became so much more nature-oriented and wild than the British traditions from which it arose, the one factor they don't take into account but should is feriferia. Feriferia, a word Fred Adams coined from Greek roots meaning wilderness festival, is a pagan tradition unlike any other. Based on Fred's visions of the divine feminine, the sacredness of Eros, and the potential for intentional communities that truly do no harm to anything, it also draws upon themes familiar to Wiccans such as sacred landscapes, prehistoric beliefs, and the fairy faith. Fred intended that Feriferia should lead the world into a paradisal future in which freedom, eros, and play were the core values, where that built by human hands merges seamlessly into the wild and the fae romp among us. Celebrate Wildness is a unique, exquisite, and profound book. It created in me a sort of homesickness, says Dana Corby, a wistfulness for the idealist I was, we all were, back when we and the world and the magic were all young and fresh. Though it's a short book, only 115 pages, they are filled with art. Don't expect to read it quickly. Take your time. Let it sink into your subconscious, and what bobs to the surface will be wondrous. That sure sounds delicious, doesn't it? Well, you can get a copy of Celebrate Wildness um, from the website feriferia.org. That's F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A dot org. Uh, it is an oversized hardbound book on heavy paper. Uh, as uh, as already said, it's uh, filled with art, and um, it's available for only $45 at that website, feriferia.org. So uh, think about that. Also, uh, I wanted to tell you, if you're in the Southern California area, 
coming up on Saturday night, the 18th. We have our big uh, book launch party extravaganza for Goddess 2.0. Rianne Eisler is going to be Skyping in. Um, Charlotte Cressy is going to be giving a PowerPoint uh, talk about some, you know, very interesting and important subjects. Uh, All of this fits into our empowerment theme tonight. Uh, Tabby Biddle uh, is going to be giving her TED Talk, uh, and we're so lucky to have her do that, about uh, women's empowerment and politics. I'm going to be talking about reconciling our spirituality and politics. We're going to have a silent auction and raffles and a ritual and revelry and refreshments, wonderful cake. So please come, uh, share it with us. It's uh, for uh, women and men and uh, for older, well-behaved children. It's going to be held at the Goddess Temple. Uh, of Orange County uh, and the Museum of Women in Irvine uh, on Sky Park Circle. Uh, If uh, you don't know where that is and you'd like to come on the 18th, uh, please just email me uh, or go to my Facebook page where all you have to do is scroll down a bit. You will no doubt find the event listed there because I keep putting it near the top. So, that said, uh, let me share some of these other things uh, I was talking about uh, earlier. Uh, I stumbled across this uh, uh, in my email box. It came from um, Ashley Stahl, uh, and she has a company called AshleyInternational.com. And, uh, and it said, uh, happiness is an accomplishment. Uh, She said, that was on my yogi tea bag this morning. I stared at it and felt my brain explode. Dang, she says, happiness really is an achievement, and here's why. And she gave these three steps, and uh, they really resonated with me, and I wanted to share them with you. She said, number one, in order to be happy, you have to say no to what isn't fully aligned with your happiness. That makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Let me say that one more time. In order to be happy, you have to say no to what isn't fully aligned with your happiness. This means walking away from a relationship that isn't right, even if it pains you. This means deciding against that fun vacation your friends are taking when you know it's crunch time at work and maybe you need to be committed to it. That means setting boundaries with that coworker that keeps throwing their workload on you. That sort of strength right there is a serious accomplishment only meant for self-honoring warriors. Yeah, it's about having healthy boundaries, giving yourself permission to say no. Because you know what? It really makes sense. How can we be happy if we allow things or people into our lives that make us unhappy? Then she says, number two here, happiness means not pleasing everyone. Yes, let's repeat that. Happiness means not trying to please everyone. She says, needless to say, your no's won't be fun for everyone who hears them. But are you willing to love yourself enough to sit in that discomfort? Because let me tell you, the fastest path to misery is pleasing everyone else. Don't be a martyr for everyone else's happiness. Choose you first. Fill your cup so you have something to give. 
you know, we were kind of talking about that uh, earlier with uh, Lavina. You know, when we talked about the rods and the cones and the eyes and how men see versus how women see. You know, I think uh, women sometimes tend to be their own worst enemy because oftentimes they will um, think about what's best for everyone else and sometimes they neglect themselves you know, consciously or unconsciously. You know, maybe you think by pleasing other people, you know, they'll in turn um, maybe, you know, do a good deed for you. Well, maybe they will, but, you know, maybe they won't. So, you know, maybe the the, the wisest uh, choice to make is not really uh, ex- trying to please others, uh, but it's like putting that oxygen mask uh, analogy, you know, it put that oxygen mask on yourself first, because unless you are uh, happy and fulfilled and healthy and strong, you really can't do a lot for others. And then number three, to be happy is to listen to yourself, Ashley says. To be happy is to listen to yourself. And she says we live in a noisy world. To be willing to shift through sift sift to be willing to sift through all that noise everyone's opinions and beliefs about what's right or wrong for you and to make a conscious choice in alignment with your higher self that wise voice inside you is true freedom and happiness this comes down to having the confidence to know that you know best for yourself and being willing to value yourself so much that you honor that inner voice I like that. She says she's read studies that indicate that confidence comes from making and honoring commitments with yourself. So ask yourself, what do I really want in my life? What do I really want in my life? You know, um, at the beginning of the year, uh, last year, uh, I was uh, with some friends, and we sometimes do these little exercises at the beginning of the year to uh, sort of get in touch with what we want in our life uh, so that we can uh, maybe set our goals and um, manifest what it is we hope to accomplish. And a, f- a friend of mine said, you know what, let's write down what we want on one column of our page, but let's also write what we don't want. Let's write what we don't want. And, you know, that's the first time I had ever actually thought about that. But that turned out to be so incredibly liberating because when I wrote down what I didn't want, suddenly it made it so much clearer what I really did want. And I have to tell you, I have been working on that this year, and it has been incredible. It really has made a big, big difference. I started out this year really focused on what I didn't want, and that led me to what I really did want. And I have to tell you, uh, in spite of all the ugly out there in the world, 2017 has really started out in a really wonderful, positive way. And I think some of it has to do with this. Um, and, it, and I think it's also uh, related to 
the idea that uh, I truly, you know, one of the things I really wanted to do was uh, lift myself up, vibrate at a higher level, you know, not be dragged into dramas, not uh, be negative, um, you know, and sometimes it's hard, you know, because we see so much uh, horrible out there in the world. But I realize that you can be a warrioress uh, to change things, uh, but do it in a positive way. And when you do it in a positive way, uh, and, and rather than being so intent and focused on the, the negative, the ugly, that it shifts things. You know, I think it really, um, it brings in the light. It brings in the higher vibration. And when you are vibrating at that higher level, I think it really does make more things possible. I hope that all makes sense. So anyway, just real quick, the three steps uh, to happiness is saying no to what isn't aligned with your own happiness Number two, not trying to please everyone. And number three, uh, to be happy is to listen to yourself. Sift through the noise and um, know what you really want. And like I said, know what you don't want. Okay, so um, I wanted to share with you um, the information. You know, just a quick little list here. Uh, I think we like lists. Uh, It was a handout I gave uh, at the conference that I attended and gave a paper on uh, at Claremont uh, um, uh, School of Theology uh, University, uh, I think it was week before last, and my paper was Spiritual Courage, Partnership, and Caring Economics as an Antidote to Domination. That's a mouthful, isn't it? And anyway, the handout I gave out was um, it had uh, partnership, not domination, uh, reconciling our spirituality and politics. And it said um, the different uh, areas that we want to achieve partnership because we're striving to achieve respect, balance, and healthy or win-win situations in all phases of our life. And to do that, we need to have partnership with ourselves partnership with our intimate others, partnership in the workplace, partnership with the local community, the global community, and finally, partnership with nature and spirit. And those come from uh, Rianne Eisler and her book, The Power of Partnership, Relationships That Will Change Your Life. So we really need to think about that, you know, uh, when we look at what's happening out there in the world and in our lives, look at it through the lens of, is this respect and partnership or is this domination and exploitation? And if we all start choosing partnership, not domination, partnership with ourselves, our intimate others in the workplace, our local and global community, uh, and with nature and spirit, that starts to shift the energy. Uh, also, I don't know if you've ever heard uh, of these nine touchstones of goddess spirituality, uh, but this all works into this idea of how important it is to reconcile our spirituality and politics. But these uh, nine touchstones come from uh, foremother uh, feminist Carol Christ, and uh, you can find them in her book, Rebirth of the Goddess, Finding Meaning in Feminist Spirituality. And the nine touchstones are nurture life, 
walk in love and beauty, trust the knowledge that comes through the body, speak the truth about conflict, pain, and suffering, take only what you need, think about the consequences of your actions for seven generations, approach the taking of life with great restraint, practice great generosity, And finally, number nine, repair the web. Repair the web. And um, let's see, uh, the final thing I wanted to share with you tonight um, was uh, these uh, action steps for resistance. Uh, I've gotten emails from some of you saying, okay, the Women's March is over, now what do I do? Well, uh, as I said, one of the women at the uh, conference uh, Uh, made a lot of suggestions that made a whole lot of sense and I wrote some of them down and came up with some of them myself Uh, and some of them also come um, from uh, a friend of mine, uh, Tabby Biddle, who is uh, going to be one of the presenters at the book launch party on the 18th. Uh, There's 15 of them, but I don't think I'll tell you uh, I'll go into detail on all of them. I'll just kind of rattle them off really quick And um, if you want a copy of this, you can email me, and I'll be happy to send you a copy. Um, The first is review your high school civics so you're aware about the three branches of government and how they work and how a bill becomes a law. The second is uh, sign up at dailyaction.org or fivecalls.org, and you can find out about pressing issues and where your voice and action is needed. Uh, Make three calls daily, two to your members uh, in the Senate, one to your representative in the House. Uh, Statistics show that the right makes four to ten times as many calls to their representatives as the left, and also calls are more effective than online petitions. Uh, So calling your lawmaker's D.C. office is often the most effective form of advocacy outside of in-person meetings. Uh, You can download the Indivisible Guide, the Indivisible Guide. This uh, practical, easy-to-use guide written by former congressional staffers reveals best practices for getting Congress to listen. It has mobilized hundreds of thousands of citizens around the country and is being credited as one of the best resources for the anti-Trump political movement. You can get it at indivisibleguide.com, indivisibleguide.com. Uh, Join the 10 Actions for the First 100 Days campaign uh, launched by the Women's March. Every 10 days they're listing a new action for all of us to uh, take uh, to speak out to Congress and ensure our rights. Uh, Create sacred space everywhere. This includes on the Internet, Facebook, social media. Resist putting negative energy into the world, arguing with people without open minds. Renew your passport or get one because you just never know. Um, Also have emergency cash in the ready, just in case the bank's not available. Make sure you're following credible news sources. Uh, Some of these include the BBC, uh, Amy Goodman, Democracy Now!, NPR, The New York Times, Rachel Maddow, Uh, Although I have to admit, I personally have not listened to Rachel Maddow since last February. I'm still mad at her for uh, how badly she treated Bernie Sanders. Uh, Number nine, you can track your members of Congress. 
Uh, you can get your senator and representative schedules by signing up for their email newsletters, attend a town hall, and pepper them with questions. Uh, you can learn how to do this in the Indivisible Guide and join with a group of like-minded individuals. Number 10, support organizations you value with donations. Maybe it's the ACLU, maybe it's the NAACP, maybe it's Planned Parenthood, maybe it's Human Rights Campaign. Whoever it is, support them with your donations. 11, organize a rally or protest using the Action Network. The Action Network is a terrific grassroots organization utilizing technology that can mobilize many. More than 650 women's marches and more than 50 countries were organized using this site. It's great for fundraising, creating petitions, organizing marches, rallies, protests. Find them at actionnetwork.org. Join the United State of Women movement. Uh, the United State of Women is dedicated to being the megaphone for the gender equality movement. Join their week of action for, from February 18th to 25th, while members of Congress will be in their home districts. Uh, they'll give you all the tools you need for your voice to be heard. Uh, go to United State of Woman, Women, United State of Women.org. Number 13, run for office, or at least learn what it takes. One of the greatest ways you can make a difference is to run for office yourself. Uh, 14, make your voice heard. Write blogs and articles. Go on podcasts. Speak, with, speak from the stage about what matters to you most. Using our voice in the public domain is how we change the cultural conversation, cultural consciousness, and ultimately law. And finally, number 15, stay centered. Meditate, do yoga, dance, do whatever you need to do to stay centered and connected to your womb wisdom. You've got all the answers inside you. You cannot do everything on this list, and you don't need to. Choose what resonates with you most. We each have our role to play in strengthening our democracy and advancing the status of women and girls. Do what you feel most called to do. So thank you, Tabby Biddle, for some of those, and thank you, um, uh, Pagan Conference, for the ones I contributed to the list. And uh, as I said, if you want a copy of any of this that I'm talking about tonight, all you need to do is email me. Well, uh, friends, uh, far and wide, uh, that about does it for me tonight. Um, oh, wait, one more thing, one, one, one more thing. Um, I have been asked to speak to the Lady Liberty Sisterhood. It's a consciousness-raising circle that anyone can join. I'll be doing it this Saturday uh, from 10 in the morning to 11.30 Pacific time. Uh, we are on Zoom Yes, Zoom. That's that new platform that allows everybody to, uh, it's kind of like uh, Google Hangout, but much easier. Uh, if you're interested in taking part in this uh, uh, conversation and hearing my talk and our Q&A and conversation afterwards, I'm going to be talking about reawakening our earliest sacred stories, uh, about why goddess mythology is so vitally important to reshaping our world. Uh, we'll get a little bit into spirituality and mythology and politics, connecting all the dots there. Uh, all you have to do is go to um, zoom.us zoom and sign up for a free account. It's easy. I mean, if I could do it, I'm pretty tech-challenged, and I, uh, I did it pretty easy. Then once you're there, 
Um, you have to punch in, uh, you know, you just type in the meeting ID number, which is 722-384-638. I'll say that one more time, 722-384-638 at zoom.us. And that will take you into our meeting room, so to speak, where everyone with the Lady Liberty Sisterhood will be uh, for our circle. So, uh, if that sounds like fun, uh, please be there. So that will be uh, this Saturday, the 11th, from 10 a.m. Pacific to 11.30. I invite you to join us. Well, that about uh, does it, uh, my dear friends. I want to thank you, as always, for tuning in. And I'll uh, leave you with one of my favorite sayings, um, what you uh, nurture survives and what you neglect withers. So I hope you will uh, keep this show in mind, uh, you know, with that thought and uh, maybe send us a contribution to help pay for airtime. It's as simple as that. If uh, this show um, has provided insight for you, uh, if it's uh, uh, if it's meaningful, if it's important, if uh, if it uh, if you learn anything from it, uh, please show your appreciation. Uh, help the show to thrive, um, and uh, you can do that by going to my website, KarenTate.com. Once you're there, go to the Goddess Store page, and uh, when you're on the Goddess Store page, scroll down to the very, very, very bottom. There is a PayPal button there. You can send a donation of any amount, and it would be greatly appreciated. Or uh, you can even buy one of my books. Uh, Take a look at the books there. Uh, I have some great book bundle prices. If you buy a couple books, you get uh, uh, incredible prices uh, because I'm trying to, um, you know, get some cash flow here, and um, uh, I appreciate uh, Uh, with support you can give me. So that all being said, we will close uh, with the song that uh, we opened with uh, at the start of the show, uh, Reclaiming's Weave and Spin. Uh, I'll let you hear all of it. It's a song of activism, uh, coming together, weaving and spinning the new world. Uh, So here we go. Uh, Please enjoy. And uh, have a great evening, a great weekend. And... uh, You know, like the information says, uh, you know, resist, stand up and resist, and uh, uh, do what it is you feel called to do. Follow your passion, because it is your passion that will sustain you in the long haul. Uh, Good night, dear listeners, and thank you for listening.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.